Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Bald Guy podcast with your host, Jeff Brown, and our guest, Brian Eastman. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Today, we're going to be talking with Brian Eastman, an expert in 401ks, IRAs, all of them self-directed. This is Jeff Brown, better known as Bald Guy. Welcome, Brian. Hey, Jeff. Good to hear from you. How are you today? Man, it's 90 degrees outside. The palm trees are swaying. It's good to be alive and in San Diego. Good to hear it. So uh, what what are we going to talk about today? We're going to be looking at a solo 401k, which uh, a lot of people use the phrase checkbook control. And we're going to talk about why somebody might choose that and who is would use it. So let me just start off by saying who qualifies for a solo 401k? And if you could... Also, insert into that answer what a solo 401k is. That would be great. Yeah, a solo 401k is, is in essence, it's a a very simplified version of an employer-based 401k retirement plan. It's designed for owner-only businesses. And the idea is, is that because it's just the owner or, you know, maybe their, their spouse or business partner, but it's a very limited set of people with ownership interest in the company that are participating in the plan and we're not having to therefore manage the retirement savings of rank and file employees, that's what creates the simplification. There's there's a lot that goes into administering a retirement plan when you take that out. Uh, it really just becomes a great retirement plan as a, a vehicle for creating tax savings, setting, setting monies aside. And then in the self-directed format that we offer, of course, is one of the more flexible plans out there for investing in non-traditional assets like notes and private placements and things of that nature. So it, it, it's, it, it's a real nice, real nice program. Uh, the caveat is, is that there's a limited, you know, sort of qualification band. Somebody has to be self-employed and have no full-time employees in their core business or any other businesses that they control. Uh, so we deal with a lot of people who are sole proprietors, independent consultants, uh, real estate agents, things things of that nature. You know, the nature of the business doesn't so much matter. You can be a sole proprietor. You can have an LLC. You can uh, have a corporation. That doesn't so much matter. But it's that idea that it's an owner-only business uh, with no uh, non-owner employees working more than 1,000 hours per year. That's the the maximum that, you know, you can have part-time employees, but if they work, work more than that, you know, sort of, 20 hours a week, 1,000 hours a year, then they would have to be granted coverage under the plan, and that involves the much more complex format of 401k that doesn't make as nice of a self-directed tool. Interesting. When you get a solo 401k and you qualify, how much can you put in every year? That's one of the great things about the solo 401k is how powerful it is on the contribution side. The plan maximum is, as of this year, 2017, $59,000 per participant. So if you had a business and you, know, you and your wife and makes decent money, you could both potentially put uh, up to $59,000 uh, if you're over age 50. There's two types of contributions you can use towards that goal. There's an employee contribution, which can be up to $18,000 for someone who's age 50 or older. They can boost that by $6,000 up to uh, $24,000. That's just the first $18,000 of after payroll tax income that's available to you. You know, you don't have to use it to run the business, you know, put a roof over your head, put it on your table. You have the ability to set that aside in the plan. And that employee contribution, the, the 18000 
uh, can be done either on a tax-deferred basis and reduce your taxable income in the current year or, more optimally, if you can afford to do it, uh, on a Roth basis. And now you've created $18,000 of tax-free money that will grow tax-free inside this plan. One of the real nice things about that, and I'm sure you've encountered this a lot, is a lot of people are income limited from being able to make Roth IRA contributions. You make over about $160,000 if you're married filing jointly and you just can't even contribute to a Roth IRA. Those income restrictions don't apply in the 401k. So uh, high earners can still drop $18,000 uh, or 24000 if they're over age 50 uh, of Roth money into these plans every year which is really fantastic. The other part of the contributions is the employer contribution, and that's uh, in these plans uh, done on a profit-sharing basis. So up to, well, it varies. It's, it's 25% of the W-2 wages you might pay yourself if you're in a corporation format and paying yourself a salary, or 20% of what's called net business income if you're a, a sole proprietor or some other kind of pass-through entity. The tax numbers in the back end are a little a little different than the calculations, but it's roughly roughly the same. Roughly about 20-25% of your income can be placed by the company. So if you paid yourself $100,000, you get to take that $100,000 and put it in the bank, but an additional twenty five could be taken by the company and set aside into the retirement plan. Uh, now, that's only available on a, on, on a tax-deferred basis, but you could come along later and convert that to Roth if you were pursuing a Roth strategy. So you can use... One of those contribution formats or both or some combination, you just can't exceed the plan maximum of the $54,000 per year for somebody age 50 or younger, or I'm sorry, under age 50, and then uh, 59000 for those age 50 and older. Now, you mentioned pre-tax and Roth, and uh, it's my understanding that the solo 401k is uh, based on my, my own. It's kind of like a two-car garage. One car is pre-tax, one car is Roth. It just depends on which one you're using. So you're saying I can make a pre-tax contribution as an employer to my own account, and that must be pre-tax. I can then, at a later date, pay the taxes myself and move it over to Roth. Correct. Correct. That's, you know, the employer puts it in pre-tax, tax-deferred. That's the only option available. But then, yes, you as the employee can elect whether it's Two business days later, two years later, whatever, that money that's been placed in the plan, when it's an advantageous for you to do so, you can go ahead and elect to do a Roth conversion and then switch that over from the, as you say, pre-tax side of the garage to the Roth side of the garage. Now, mechanically speaking, on a practical basis, Brian, how easy can it be made for the average person to, A, make the contributions, and B, change a pre-tax to a Roth contribution? It's all really pretty easy. I mean, you know, stepping back a little bit, what the 401k is is that it's, it's, a, it's a form of trust, and our client's going to be the trustee and have control over that trust. They're going to then establish one or more banking relationships in the form of a trust, a trust account to hold the funds. You want to have separate actual bank accounts for Roth money and tax-deferred money. Uh, you can combine them for purposes of investing. You just need to do the book work and, and know what's been allocated where. But just for the annual reporting that you need to do and general compliance, you want to house them in separate accounts. So you've got this one trust. You've got these two what are referred to as participant accounts. E each saver, each quote-unquote employee, the business owner, for, for example, is 
uh, a participant, so they have maybe one or two participant accounts. So you have a, a tax-deferred participant account, you have a Roth participant account. When you want to make new contributions to one, you just put the money where it needs to go. When you want to do a conversion, you move it from the one account to the other. Not a particularly complicated process mechanically. The reporting is simple. You know, there's reporting that needs to be done. Uh, when you make contributions, for example, just keep a ledger, keep a record. The reporting is actually done on your tax return. And depending on the, the type, whether it's employee or employer, or whether it's tax deferred or Roth, it goes in slightly different places, but it gets reported on your tax return. Hey, over the course of the year, I made X dollars of employee contributions on a Roth basis. I made X dollars of business profit sharing contributions on a tax deferred basis, and that'll, that'll show up on your tax return. So it's just keep, keeping a ledger of those activities throughout the course of the year. Similar with the Roth conversion, uh, with a little layer added in. When, when you do a conversion, that's treated as income, and you'll want to you'll want to document the conversion itself with. Oh, and forgive me, I'm doing this off the top of my head, and I don't have it in front of me. I think it's an. I want to say it's like an 8662, or there's an IRS form for the Roth conversion. I don't have that number right at the tip of my tongue, um, but you you'll, you'll fill that out in addition to uh, some stuff that goes on your tax return. Now the issue there is. Okay, when you do that conversion, you're creating income. And if you're somebody who's self-employed and whatnot, you're probably doing estimated taxes. So if you do a conversion in the second quarter, well, you created that income in the second quarter, and you might want to figure that into your estimated taxes and your quarterly payments so you don't end up with, with you know, a penalty situation for not having made the contributions uh, or set aside the withholdings on time. Now, the last question I have is, Brian, when can't the owner and possible sub-account holders keep contributing? That's a good question. And, and you know, again, this is an employer-sponsored retirement plan. You make your contributions from income that you receive through the employment. Uh, so as long as you're gainfully employed and creating that self-employment income, you can make contributions. You can make contributions in one year and not in another. I have certain people who are in somewhat volatile or, you know, maybe they have a, a day job, but they also have a, a side business and maybe one year they do a couple of contracts and the next year they don't and then the year after that they do. So there's flexibility to make contributions or choose not to or whatnot. In terms of the true restrictions, well, you have to have income in a year, obviously, in order to make contributions. You can't make contributions if your business is operating at a loss because there's no income from which to make those contributions. Uh, from the age perspective, uh, you can continue to contribute up until age 70 and a half, and that's true both on the tax-deferred and the Roth side. And, and the idea there is in some 401ks, you can continue working beyond that 70 and a half uh, and continue to make contributions, but you have to be a less than 5% owner of the business. Well, in this case, you're going to be a more than 5% owner of the business for sure if you're, if you're running a solo 401k, and therefore at 70 and a half, the ability to make new contributions is cut off. Boy, this has been really good. I get these questions all the time, Brian, and you have uh, yet again uh, hit a homer here. Thanks a lot. Well, good. Good. Happy to do it and uh, look forward to the next time we get a chance to chat. You bet. And everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time out. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Bald Guy Podcast with Jeff Brown and our guest, Brian Eastman.